0: Everyone, welcome to Struggle Session. I'm your host Leslie the i I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown, and and yeah, today we are joined by our, our latest new co-host.
1: We just I, have gone I, through so many of them, Leslie.
0: Yeah, so many. Like we, we've tried so many. What if people. the
1: problem isn't them? What if it's us? I, you know, I've been don't, doing don't a little say, bit of well, soul Well, we
0: know and, the problem was partially you because you were fired at one point.
1: I like, was fired because I I could not tell uh, that that you meant uh, Eastern time and not Pacific time. That's like <laughs> some Scott Rudin level. That's some Harvey Weinstein like screaming, throwing a desk level fire. Right so
0: you're saying I'm the Harvey Weinstein of the show, JDB? I mean, Do what, you still well, want your well, job? Well, a lot
1: less molesting, but but a lot. But uh, you know, look, uh, what I'm saying is, you are in fact a slave driver. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you are you are holding all me right, to an right.
0: extreme. Just JJB before you get fired again,
1: <laughs> let's,
0: let's introduce our new co-host for his second time on the show. Great guy. In, Brilliant guy, intelligent
2: guy, fantastic guy. Our Mr. pretty bad lefty. Yes, Mr. Braddon Sutton. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everybody, and I mean thanks for having me back. And I want to say just off the cuff that I am absolutely okay with being like what sloppy seventh. You know, that's you know, <laughs> if if I'm your seventh co-host since you you know your revolving door of I went leftist Twitter figures, that is absolutely okay with me. I am you know completely down. Well, you know,
1: it's the revolving door, as we know, is a huge problem in our society. The podcast to government to big business pipeline (laughs) is just out of control. There's just too many people who are taking these podcasts, then bringing it to Wall Street or Washington, D.C., (laughs) and just making the world a worse place. So we appreciate you uh, for, for, for joining this. And we appreciate you for, for being a good sport through it all.
2: Of course. I mean, after I'm done here, just I'm going to use this appearance to jumpstart, you know, like at the launching pad to go become VP of the Fed. So it's fine.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's happened before. There's very much a precedent of it. It just struggle sessions straight to like, you know, SEC chairman or whatever. And so today we have a very special topic, one I've wanted to talk about for a while. I um, one that I know is very near and dear to the hearts of a lot of our listeners, and that is the Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Ooh. Bloodborne series. Ooh, long yes. in
1: demand for yeah. all of you Japanese action RPG fans.
0: Yeah, prepare to die, folks. Uh, if you're not familiar with the series, I think you'll still get a lot of this, a lot of this episode because. I like to say about Dark Souls, it's kind of the last great Japanese video game. Like, it's the last thing that's been new to come out of Japan that's really inspired the rest of the world. Because there are a lot of copycats of the game now you have...
1: In before the Disgaea and Persona fans eat us alive.
0: Well, but, like, those games are based on games that are, like, 20... Those are, like, Final Fantasy games, right? Sure.
1: Well, <laughs> like, Yeah.
0: Like, at the end of the day, those are Final Fantasy games, but Dark Souls is, like, the real last, like, new thing to come out of Japan in so long that you have Western developers copying them with things like Salt and Sanctuary and Lord of Fallen and lots of indie games, like uh, Dead Cells takes a lot from it. And even something like um, the Need for Speed series has taken mechanics from Dark Souls. Sure. I
1: mean, if you played Shovel Knight... That definitely took a lot from uh, the Souls games. And uh, there are even elements of Super Mario Odyssey that feel a little Soulsy at times, which is kind of bonkers but specifically regarding coins and losing them and getting them back
0: yeah yeah it is it is very much dark souls and uh the last zelda game too has a, has some combat elements that feel a little bit more like dark souls using the the um shoulder buttons to fight instead of uh, as much as the um face buttons
1: well actually you know that could be debatable whether the z targeting that's a chicken and egg thing because dark souls definitely is a z targeting game the way that the you target your enemies. Uh, I mean, but that that could go back to Ocarina of Time. However, the parrying and the perfect dodge in Breath of the Wild is straight-up souls And, you know, playing Dark Souls 3, which, by the way, I got as a very kind and generous gift from Leslie a few weeks ago, so I'm the newbie here. Uh, one thing that was really remarkable to me is sort of uh, how uh, a, a series that... Was uh, So so Dark Souls, you know, I've watched a lot online. I've read a lot online about it, but I've never really had the guts to play it. I've always been kind of a wimp. Uh, But, you know, I I had played in the 90s and early 2000s a few of the From Software RPGs like Armored Core and King's Field, and I had never gotten super into them because they just overwhelmed the shit out of me. In the 90s and 2000s, Japanese role-playing games were considered sort of the pinnacle of the kind of storytelling you could get. Especially in the 16 bit and 32 bit era. Then
0: it, the, switched. The, it, it switched. It switched to the West. Yeah.
1: I mean, and it switched, to, and a lot of it is because of companies like BioWare and Obsidian and uh, Bethesda, you know, for, for better or for worse. But they took over, and Japanese role playing games became more and more niche. Great example is if you look at Final Fantasy 15, which feels like it's a six year old game. Uh, but the Souls games. We're the first Japanese role-playing games in years to actually have an effect on Western gaming development.
0: Yeah, so I actually, I just want to start by asking all of you, your first impressions of Dark Souls, especially you, JDB, because I feel like people who don't play Dark Souls games have just as strong opinion about them as people who actually do play them. But uh, uh, Brandon, why don't you start off? How, how did you get first introduced to the series?
2: Well, I actually got first introduced into Dark Souls. I think that a lot of people have this experience. Like when you hear about Dark Souls, uh, you hear it's like the hardest game ever um and so you decide to go to let's play route so i first heard about dark souls through like a let's play where i watched the whole thing you know i got sort of familiar with the mechanics through the let's play now they of just seems like a you know a fun idea and then i picked it up and i found it you know very very you know engaging and rewarding just to you know go back to the conversation that you were having before i agree right i think that you know dark souls is probably the last game, not just Japanese game, but the last game I remember, like, sort of launching a genre. Yeah. Like, like, dark, like the Dark Souls, like, like, we're still in the phase where, like, you know, post-Doom where, like, all FPSs are called, like, Doom clones. And so, but now, like, we have this new line of games that are just essentially Dark Souls clones that they range from, you know, Lords of the Fallen to that really, you know, shitty game called The Surge that came out a few Actually, I've
0: yeah. heard Lord of the Fallen is shitty, but Surge is actually a little bit better. Actually, I think. Well, you know, yeah, you, you got Eat coming. You got Cold Vein, which is Anime Souls, etc. You got Dark Mouse, which you play as a little mouse with Dark Souls mechanics.
2: Yeah. You have Neo, and like right now, they're still like they're still Dark Souls clones because they wear their inspiration so heavily on their sleeve. But I think it's interesting as we get further and further with more and more deviations. Things, you know, stop being Dark Souls clones, and we sort of have this new genre emerging. It's sort of yes. an emergent genre that it's starting,
1: and that happened with open world games by the way for a while every sandbox game was just called a grand theft auto clone and it became clear that after a few years oh uh this isn't a clone this is an entirely new form of gameplay and uh what's interesting about this you know again this is all based off two weeks of playing dark souls 3 is that it, it Doesn't particularly feel necessarily new to me. What it feels like, it feels fresh while also feeling weirdly... Like, I didn't realize how nostalgic I was for getting my ass kicked in video games. I didn't realize how my hand has been being held by so many of these Western developers for the last 15 or so years since the Xbox 360 launched. I didn't realize how easy I had it. And then I get in here and I am I, I, I'm i telling you two uh, two weeks ago I pop in the game I create my character I spend 15 minutes uh, I make you know my character this old lady sorceress uh, you know I'm like oh you know hey you know, Oblivion Skyrim custom characters like blah 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 then I immediately walk into the first map go up to a demon and get slaughtered instantly because <laughs> I didn't block and the uh, it's that simple. Like, this is a game where you die over and over and over again. This is a video game. This is the BDSM of AAA gaming. <laughs>
2: well, I, see, I don't know. I think that Dark Souls, and this is not going to be, you know, an original kind of uh, observation, but I think Dark Souls gets an unfair reputation, because even, you know, as I talked about my experiences, for being really hard. And Dark Souls, you know, all three of them are not that hard. And they're not that unforgiving. If you want to see unforgiving, like System Shock Two was unforgiving, where you could spend like forty hours playing System Shock Two, like spec all in sort of charisma and they get to the last boss and can't win. And you're like, Oh well, there goes the game. It's like Dark Souls is a very, very well designed game insofar as that you can, you know, as long as you're aware of the the uh the mechanics, you're you know, you're paying attention. Yes. you're not you know, you're thinking, you're not rushing into situations, you know, without considering what's going on uh you can you can win with any build you can win with any weapons you can win with any armor uh that's where i guess the phrase get good comes from because you really don't have to you don't have to have any sort of out, you know sort of outfitting like you would with a, a sort of a World of Warcraft where if you don't have the right armor you're just done like you're simply done but i will say this you know the dark souls for me the games that it's most reminiscent of and you know this might just be me are like squad based uh military shooters like uh like sorry, like rainbow 6 because it's that sort of like deep consideration before going into sort of engagements where it's like oh yeah if i get hit twice i'm dead that is so like is the kind of pacing that dark souls has yeah we're like yeah
0: yeah so it's like it's pacing you like you said the key word is like pacing and patience like do you can people have beaten this game without dying once because they were patient and, and it wasn't necessarily because they were the best players it's just because it dark souls so uh, one of the key mechanics of the thing of the game is stamina right you can only hit somebody so many times before you run out of stamina and you can't Um, hit them anymore. And that really went against what was going on at the time where you had some games like Ninja Gaiden and Devil May Cry series. I I should say Ninja Gaiden Black and Sigma, the the resurgence of Ninja Gaiden and Devil May Cry and those type of action games where it's just all attack, 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 attack non-stop. But Dark Souls is a game where if you try to do that, you will get crushed um, very quickly. You have to consider every move you make. And if you're careful with it, you... You won't get hit. You you won't die uh, because the game is very fair about this. But every but you're always uh, teased like, okay, if I'm fighting this boss, I don't, he only has uh, you know a little sliver of health left. I should only hit him one time and then roll away. But if I hit him two times, I'm actually kill him. And every time you will make that gamble to say, all right, I'm going to hit him two times. And then he's going to smack you and then you're going to be dead. And that's the fun of Dark Souls is that you
2: always end up defeating yourself
0: more than the game.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's when it gets in your head, right? Because, you know, as you say, like, Dark Souls is also very reminiscent. Like, when you're when you're at your best as a player in Dark Souls, it's a, the equivalent of a Devil May Cry. Yes. You know, you feel invincible. You can go from combat to combat to combat, rolling, dodging, blocking, parrying, you know, getting that rhythm, being in the zone, and you'll just never, like, get hit, and you'll feel invincible. But you make one mistake and, you know, take two hits or take one hit, they put you, put you in the back foot, and suddenly you're in your own head and you're dead. Like you're, like you're your worst enemy in dark souls. Like, absolutely. Because it's like, as long as you're confident, you know, you can get through the game, uh, you know, with patience and perseverance and, you know, just staying in like the zone. But the moment you get inside your own head and go, okay, well, should I block? Should I do this? It's, it's, it's a it's a done it's a done deal, and so I think that it's it's unique as a power fantasy. You know, if you know we talk about games, you know, games of this genre. You know, the action RPG genre, the sort of like action character action game genre, as like power fantasies. It's like it's a very very grounded. This one. is
1: a meritocratic fantasy, <laughs> the, the fantasy that if you're actually good at something, you can win.
0: Well, it, it, oh, I, I you know that that is kind of interesting you bring up because my. Um, My first impression with Dark Souls was actually with Demon Souls. Like I just heard everybody online talking about how great this new game was and I was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna try it. No even though it was hard because I don't necessarily like hard games, but if you tell me a game's hard, I'm gonna fucking try it. Like is like I'm not the guy who go who has to play on hard mode and everything. That that's not important to me. But don't tell me there's a game that's too hard for me to play because fuck you, I can do it. I'm a gamer, goddammit. And when I got Demon Souls the first time It was actually, like, really hard because Demon's Souls is the hardest one of them all. It's the least um, forgiving. It's the most obscure, I actually think. But I also actually think it's probably the best one with the best themes and the best storylines and the the best, you know, setting. Uh, But it was so hard to actually put it down for a few months uh, after, you know, playing through the first level because I didn't really get it. And that wasn't a uncommon occurrence actually when the game launched initially uh i mean before it launched when they were showing the when from software was showing the game around to like sony and whatever sony played in like thought it was shit they thought they said it was I think the, the quote was the guy said of uh, the exec said this is the worst game I've ever played. And I can really see that happening because it's a game you kind of have to explain to people why it's good if they have or if they aren't familiar with it. Because it's so slow is uh, in, in comparison to other games because it's uh, very plotting because you can get wrecked and not even really know what's happening. To you, sometimes because you can get stun locked and and this and that. So this game, um, when you talk about meritocratic, the reason it became this huge franchise is because there was something in this initial game, Demon's Souls, that not even the people publishing it. Um, could recognize. It was the fans who built this game up into um, what it was. And that's why Sony actually doesn't have the exclusive on Dark Souls because they thought it was a mistake to pa- uh, publish Demon Souls in the first place.
2: No, I was gonna say, and and really, it's the fans like this. Demon Souls and Dark Souls were cult hits. Like it's the fans that make the game even bearable. Like like the folk knowledge required to, I think, really succeed, quote unquote, because there is no succeeding at Demon Souls and Dark Souls. They're just you're doing a little <laughs> bit better every time. Yeah, like the 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 untold mechanics like it's a game that has so much emergent gameplay and so not not to mention the emergent storylines but so much emergent gameplay that you just have to you know be involved in the community you have to go to the wiki you have to see what people are saying about the game like who could possibly figure out world tendency in demon souls
1: one of the things i really love and which has saved my life so far on more times than i can count is the note system that you can leave uh you know, a guy leaves a note saying there's an enemy ahead or try, uh, it said try charging with an attack uh, immediately or something like that. Or like charge immediately, charge enemy immediately. And I said, well, why, why is that guy leaving a note saying charge enemy immediately? I'm just walking around, you know, the haunted castle filled with demons. And I ignore the note and I walk ahead and I hit the, uh, hit the demon with my sword and it transforms into like a giant <laughs> like fucking akira blob beast and instantly rips my head off and i'm like oh, yeah. oh that's why that's why you pay attention to the notes you charge immediately and you kill him before he can transform
0: yeah so but that's that's kind of one of the innovations that dark the Souls community has.
1: features are really interesting because they're not there they're, there's potential to do lots of different things like you could help someone out but you know lots of people lie too you could lie yeah there's no one stopping you from from leaving a note that says you know it's safe ahead and then boom there's a bunch of demons who will just rip you into pieces
0: the good one is that when you tell people to dive off this cliff and (laughs) and it just sends you to your death because sometimes you are supposed to dive off a cliff in this game without knowing where it's going to go and you live but um it Presents all this these opportunities for trolling, but that's that's one of the innovations I wanted to talk about with this game because it was like one of the first, maybe the first, to have this really asynchronous online uh, element to it, where players would const- could leave messages to one another. Um, where they could see like you could see the ghosts of other players while they're playing. You can see the ghost of them after they died and you can see how they died. And that lets you know what's coming up ahead or that you need to be prepared. And it's just such a brilliant idea of having, you know, taking, you know, maybe kind of massive online elements, but catering them to a mostly single player game.
2: Oh, yeah, no, I I agree. And I think that, like I said before, without that community, without that sort of level of multiplayer engagement, the game would probably be unmanageable. Yeah, Uh, If not unmanageable, you would miss maybe half of the content oh the yeah. game is very sort of like metroidvania in the way it's actually constructed i know we've, we've had a lot of castlevania games in sort of the 3d genre i guess you'd call it but like no game feels more like castlevania the old sort of uh you know aria of sorrow you know symphony of the night castlevania games than dark souls does because it really ju- it, it really is the aesthetics are on point The stacks are on point, and you know, you've done uh, so many shows about Berserk, and Berserk is one of the biggest influences of Dark Souls, the Dark Souls series, especially uh, where it comes to the 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 creature designs.
0: Yeah, yes, they lift a lot of the monsters straight from uh berserk straight like just straight up uh stealing from a uh, boy but i think I'm, I'm pretty sure he knows and he's a, a fan of it they it, it, like even like some of the weapons too like you pick up uh guts's sword except in uh, dark souls of course it's uh all rusty and uh, broken and cracked and uh, but yeah like so i w- kind of want to talk a little bit about you know the world and the lore of dark souls and how how and the, how it uniquely functions with the community because if you play this game by yourself without logging on and looking up stuff you're gonna miss at least, like as, as you said like ha- at least half the storyline and the path that you get you're not gonna really understand uh if you in order to understand all the characters all the things you have to do things like read all the uh descriptions for all the items you pick up you need to go on the wiki see what other people have found out because there's storylines in this game that only play out if you play the game in a certain way and it's kind of an open world game so you can skip a lot of parts you can skip whole levels i remember the first time i played Um, Dark Souls like I skipped whole like bosses and levels because you don't have to fight everything you don't have to go anywhere and you can miss out on huge chunks of of the game, sometimes if you're not if you're not um, familiar with it, but the community has filled in this huge gap. There's huge wikis for e- every um, game that's come out in this series, which uh, and you know you they couldn't have done this if the game if the first Demon Souls came out like a few years earlier, right? You wouldn't have because the wiki wasn't as much of a thing now. Uh, but there's these huge wikis for everything, and there there's also like a lot of YouTubers who talk about things like Dark Souls lore. There's this guy named Vati Vidya who makes like these 30, 45 minute videos explaining the story of uh, Dark Demon Souls and Dark Souls and all the stories of all the characters and the bosses that you get hints of in the game. But unless you're paying like super close attention, you're not going to be able to piece it together. And I found a really interesting fact about why this game is, why this game is so detailed and also very obscure. And it's because the creator, uh what was his, what's his name? Uh, Hidetaka, uh, uh Miyazaki, he grew up very poor and he uh didn't have the greatest uh, education, so it, but he loved he lo- even though he loved to read, he didn't have the greatest uh, opportunities for education. And, and actually, Miyazaki, when he was growing up reading books and these, these fantasy novels and these storylines and whatever, when he was reading them, he didn't understand a lot of what was going on, so he had to kind of fill in the blanks in his mind. And so when he, and you fast forward 20 years and he's making these, uh, Dark Souls video games, he decides himself, you know, that's actually more fun in a lot of ways. So he leaves a lot of de- these details in the background or doesn't uh, explain them fully because he thinks it's more fun for fans to try and piece them together themselves when they're playing the game, as opposed to having, you know, 10 minute cutscenes explaining everything in the game.
2: Oh yeah, 100%. The story you tell yourself is always going to be better than any story they could come up with. It's going to be more personal, going to be more, you know, emergent. And I will say this, even though that Dark Souls, you know, the Dark Souls, Demon Souls, you know, even Bloodborne, I guess Bloodborne stories story tends to be a little bit more, like... Apparent. In, apparent, yeah. Um, Like, despite having, you know, a storyline that you can essentially, you know, either completely ignore, or, you know, delve really deeply into, it, you know, the... The world building of Dark Souls, like the world building of Bloodborne, the world building of Demon Souls, you know, it makes you want to know more about yes. the world. Like it makes you like it really makes you want to sort of understand what's going on. And, you know, there are a lot of games I've played through that have a story that's in your face that I could care I, I care nothing about. But when it comes to Dark Souls, even though the story is, you know, some ways told piecemeal, like you said, through item descriptions, through sort of like brief cutscenes through sort of just like architecture and geometry in the world, like it makes you want to understand what's going on there.
0: Like, I, I think the best example, the best thing I compare to for somebody who doesn't play Dark Souls or doesn't play video games is like, you know, the first Lord of the Rings movie. Where you see those two like massive statues, and there's like a waterfall going next to them, but they don't really explain what they are and um, wh- what function they are, who built them, why they're there. Like, I feel like if you're the person who is wondering, like, how did those statues get there? Why are those massive colossi there? You're somebody who could get a lot out of Dark Souls,
1: and that's by the way. This is a credit to the medium of video gaming because only in video gaming can you tell a story exclusively through the second person in a way that is done in, in whether it's, you know, the, the souls game or whether it's breath of the wild or whether it's really any game where the, the emergent narrative is created through individual experience. Uh, It's only gaming that can do that. I mean, even multiplayer gaming uh, has a form of storytelling that is, that is exclusive to the medium. If you had a movie where, uh, you know, uh, you didn't really know who the main characters were, the plot was vague and you had to fill in every blank, and you weren't really sure who or what or even when you were. Uh, Chances are, I mean, unless it was like a beautifully made art film or something, most people aren't going to like it. Yeah. But with gaming, there actually is this opportunity to, uh, to fill in the blanks using lore in a way that doesn't feel you know lore lore is i think probably one of the most abused uh, trends in oh, fiction absolutely. right now you can you can you can tell a dog shit story about characters you don't care about in a world that means nothing but if you have pages and pages and pages of dense reading material you can almost cover up the stench what's cool about the souls games and again baby's perspective because i'm still new to this is is that even though i don't really know what's going on I want to, and that's rare. Usually, I don't give a shit. I mean, uh, you know, flip side. For example, when you overlore it, is is you know, um, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, or and this is sort of uh, controversial, Boo. but also, Boo. but also, uh, uh, you know, if you look at some of like the famous CRPGs, uh, like. And I'll just say it, like the, the Codexes and the Dragon Age and, and, and Mass Effect games don't really need them.
0: No, I, 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 I kind of agree. Like, they're cool whenever I look at them, but I don't really get into them as much because there's already so much story, like, in your face. So
1: Right, so I don't need to read pages and pages and pages about the world. The uh, yeah, less yeah. I know about the world, the more I want to read about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, you're wrong about Zero Dawn, but, you know, that, that's fine. That's fine.
1: I love Zero Dawn. <laughs> yeah. I put 90 fucking hours into that game. I beat the Frozen Wilds. I'm telling you, they overdid it. Oh, that God. story is overcooked
0: but uh, so um Brandon um, you uh, you mentioned uh, I think you uh, no sorry uh, JDB you mentioned multiplayer right yes like and so the multiplayer in dark Soul there's nothing like it. there's nothing like it. when I first read about it this multiplayer like I actually got mad like it because the way it's set up is so is, is might be the worst and best thing about the game. So have have you have you had any experiences with it yet?
1: Yeah, I got attacked by a naked guy. Yes. <laughs>
0: so so how did that feel? Like, So Dark Souls is a game. Violating. Yeah, so Dark Souls is a game where people can actively invade your game and fuck you up. Like even though the game is already like uh, very demanding and uh, difficult at times, uh, players can log on for the sole purpose of making it harder for you. So how, how, how did it feel uh, your first time?
1: So, you know, I'm walking around the, uh, the walls of Lothric and I had had my souls taken from me because I got uh, surrounded by two two of these demons and I, I didn't dodge correctly. Uh, and then I tried to take a potion while I was being hit with arrows. That's a mistake. Yes. Uh, when you take a potion, you have to be far away from the <laughs> fucking enemy. And so I took the potion, I dodged, I died respawned, went back, and immediately rushed towards my, uh, you know, my my souls that I wanted to retrieve because there was like something like two thousand souls in there, which I, from what I hear, is nothing. As you go on, eventually you lose thousands and thousands of souls at a time. But uh, I tried to do my best to farm them and, and go to the shrine and sell them off every now and then. I just it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. So I come back and I see across. This bridge, I see, like, a, a naked guy. And I'm like, well, he's, he's like, in his boxers or whatever. It's not like his dick and balls is hanging out. But he's naked. And I said, okay, uh, I don't know what that means. So I just keep going. And then he just bums rushes me, bum rushes me, and just kills me instantly. Dead. Huh. He just murdered me. Just murdered by a naked guy. He didn't have any weapons out, so I figured it wasn't that bad. Uh, maybe he was, I thought, maybe he's just goofing around. Maybe he's just, uh... Visiting, because when you invade the the games, you don't have to kill people, but you sure can. So this guy was not my friend. He was, uh, he, uh, he, he dick slapped me into
2: losing all my souls forever. That's fucked up. Brandon,
0: what's been your experience with the multiplayer?
2: Um, I tend to play Dark Souls offline uh because not because i mind the invasion but because i like to sort of and really engage myself with the world that's that's my you know excuse yeah. cuz i cuz i you know i had a, one or two bad experiences where like i was actually doing something like hey, like uh, i'm not ready for this like <laughs> i will like i will play online in sp- you no know, in spurts but i just wanted to you know just jump back for a second to the story aspect of the game because you know i think that one of the really unique parts about <laughs> dark soul as, you know, as a video game, as JDB touched on, is that it makes the most of the medium in so far that, like, the world itself feels like it has its own story and you're just a part of it. Yeah. Like, 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 this is not your story. And I think that even, like, the little bits of lore or, you know, NPC dialogue we get in Dark Souls with a cough where he tries to convince you that you're like the chosen one when really you're just some a-hole.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Like like you're just some a-hole to be sacrificed to, you know, for the real chosen one. And I think that that right there is in a world where so many RPGs, like you mentioned, especially what comes to mind is like Final Fantasy 13. is essentially just like a book with some gameplay, like a book (laughs) with, you know, a book with some gameplay and some, you know, cutscenes. Like Dark Souls really does to me feel like oh wow like this world has its own story has its own history that i'm like a bit player in and you know you have to wrestle for your place in the sun and that sort of thing yes but multiplayer wise i think the most multiplayer i played was in bloodborne uh because bloodborne has the kind of it it felt it felt more appropriate in bloodborne for me like, Bloodborne's atmosphere, Bloodborne's sort of, like, kinetic, like, fre- uh, frenetic pace, like, really sort of lent itself to, like, me wanting to have these quick, you know, fights, like, these quick, almost, like, one or two hit fights with a, a couple of people, and so, other than that, like, I mean, the multiplayer aspect is, for me, like, is mostly limited to uh, looking at people's blood echoes, and then, like, Running when they they invade my world. <laughs> so
0: I, I I actually got into the competitive multiplayer a little bit and it's kind of funny because people take it so seriously but the game is not really designed for like a balanced like fight like if you have the, like everybody who's like super into the uh multiplayer all has the same equipment the same stats the same everything because there's certain things that just work better uh than others so it's kind of funny like there's this huge 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 like, fight club, uh, Dark Souls community, and it's so funny because, like, when you play it, like, there's so much lag, there's so much, you know, cheapness, there, there's it's so janky, and but people get r- really into it because it's still taking place in this world where it's super satisfying to win. And, like, the when you, you know, and like half the time you're just spend the time like rolling around, like, that's why there's so many gifts like comedy gifts of people like rolling around on the ground and and saying that that's what dark souls is because when you're playing the multiplayer that's what it is like it's not like back and forth pairing and stuff it's mostly roll 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 and whoever runs out of stamina stamina last um will get a hit in uh and might uh survive and there's and there with the newer games they have like you can have like six people online at the time so like th- some people will invite people invaders to their world and then just host host like fight clubs and watch or like they'll run around with a squad of like three people and just wait for invaders to come in and, and what they t- what the kids call gank them and just team up on them and kill them three-on-one like it and that's happened to me before like i had like i got invaded by somebody and it was like two-on-one and it was like like come on like it uh, DM'd him I was like, come on, man, this is two-on-one. Why are you, like, d- two-on-one people in, like, a one-on-one level? And he was like, get good. I'm like, all right, well, fuck you, buddy.
1: <laughs> get good. Get good. You know, it, it's... When it comes to online gaming, when people do that shit, I just I want to pull my hair out because it's like if you're that obsessed with mechanics that nothing else matters than policing how other people... use those mechanics like you're just kind of a dickhead but with single player games like kind of like that's the deal there's there's not really particularly a community there's a rigid set of i mean dark souls is by you know for all intents and purposes like a lot of uh linear japanese role-playing games fairly controlling its relationship with the player It, it knows exactly what you know it tells you exactly what to do and if you don't do it you die
0: uh well, you Which do I have think- options because that, that is one thing that kind of separates uh, Dark Souls from like a Horizon Zero Dawn or even a Zelda. You can make multiple different types of builds. You can be yes. a mage. You can be a big guy swinging a sword. You can have two swords. You can uh, ha- be a person who mostly shoots arrows. You can do all – you have all these sorts of options to fight and engage in the world. So – uh I'm always a two-handed sword guy. Like, fuck shields, fuck magic. I just like swinging that big-ass sword and, like, taking out the bosses in, like, ten hits if possible. Brandon, what's, what's your build? What's your go-to?
2: Ideal build, battle mage. And I I like to do one sword, one staff. That's then, what I've been change, doing, too. I've been battle
1: maging it. it up.
2: And so, I mean, I think that, again, this, talks, this speaks to the uh, well-designed aspect of Dark Souls. And so far, the all builds work well, and but you can, like, sort of, you know, there is no easy mode in Dark Dark Souls. But, you know, you can kind of construct your own easy mode if you choose certain builds. Like, Sword and Board is a relatively neutral build. Like, it's n- essentially normal mode. Uh, if you want to go, you know, easy mode, that's, like, Spellcaster. Like, we just, like, go full, like, just go full, especially in um, Demon Souls and Dark Souls. <laughs> that was a way to sort of just go full easy mode. Uh, if you want to go hard mode, you know, just run around naked, you know, <laughs> you run around naked and punch things to death. It's like that, like, it's like that level of care that allows you to sort of choose your own engagement that I think is, has been missing in games for a, a while. Right. But I, I'm definitely like a, even in, you know, Dark Souls two, which is when I was, went full battle mage. I, you know, I wielded guts's sword. Which, you know, the description has a, a direct reference to guts, I think. Yes. Uh, you know, it's like a hunk of it's like, it's like a hunk hunk of of like iron more suited to smashing than it is to cutting or something. You know, some reference to the dragon slayer sword. Yeah. And uh, I would just enchant it so it glowed blue like a big lightsaber. And I would just go around wrecking things. And sometimes I would take two out and just like swing them around. <laughs> so you
0: have all these options to play and pl- how to play. And one of the really cool things about Dark Souls is you never have to stop playing because there's always New Game Plus. I think this is one of the earlier games to bring uh, New Game Plus into, you know, now it's like almost like a standard mode. Like every game now has New Game Plus more or less.
1: Yeah, you know, I wonder. I wonder. It's kind of interesting because New Game Plus was sort of a staple of, 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 uh, of, like, sort of, you know, 90s games and then it went away for a long time. It by New Game Plus you would play like PS1 and PS2 games that would have them. Yeah. But once the PS3 and the Xbox 360 came around New Game Plus went away for a while. And uh, we've seen a resurgence, and you think that's thanks to the Souls games?
0: Yes, yeah, I think absolutely because you know what now it's like you know they'll even add it to a game like in a patch, like after the fact, because fans just demand it so much they want to replay the game with ramped up oh, yeah, difficulty. It with Dishonored too, but all but all their um, still having all their equipment and shit because in the, uh, Dark Souls, especially, like you spend a lot of time collecting all this equipment that you um don't want to start the whole game over collecting it again just because it's too much of a pain in the ass like dark souls the design can be real dickish sometimes they'll like put chests in like vats of lava and like you have to level up to up and there's no easy way to like get it there's no trick it's just that you have to have enough health and be able to cast a spell on yourself that will allow you to survive long enough to open the chest, and then you're still probably going to die before you have a chance to get back to safety. And, like, you don't want to have to do all that again. But you do want to play the game again because it's so fun, and there's so many of these cool uh, moments and bosses. So they instituted the New Game Plus, where you go through the game again with all your shit, but the game just gets a lot harder. So it's not necessarily any easier to play through it again. Sometimes it gets... It ramps up ramps up in difficulty a lot like in bloodborne and the more new games you go through there's one boss where he's not that fast but he's powerful and if he hits you with a certain attack the first time you play it takes off half your health second time you play it takes off 98 percent of your health uh the next time you play it's like it's one hit and you're uh done so like it can all so you never so by the time you- you're you playing like the fourth or fifth game like you just have to be like perfect in order to uh get past them but i've played all the i've beaten i've beaten dark- demon souls dark souls one twice dark souls 2 i've probably been like four times because it came out in two different versions i've only been dark souls 3 so far one time and bloodborne um i've beaten twice so far so i put in a lot of hours how, how much have you put in brandon
2: I have about I have the most hours in Dark Souls 1 cuz I got that in my uh my f- first year of graduate school. And so when I wasn't studying or I should have been studying, I was <laughs> playing Dark Souls. So I I probably have about like 130 hours in Dark Souls 1. I will say that Dark Souls 2, you know, at the time I was playing it, I didn't really appreciate it as much, but going back, I think that it's it's underrated, especially because Dark Souls 2 had the best new game plus additions like of all of the dark souls games the demon souls dark souls dark souls 3 dark souls 2 bloodborne dark souls 2 really integrated you know with what uh sorry um with bonfire yes. aesthetic uh, 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 bonfire aesthetic no As- bonfire uh, aesthetics i think aesthetics that's a uh, awful for my list but you know whatever <laughs> bonfire aesthetics um the idea you would get certain you know you would be able to like shift certain zones to new game plus mode which would make things harder but would make the loot better uh you could go back and you know you could have like one zone be like new you know bosses be the new game like plus three version so you could a special ring uh that would that would work for your build like that game really had a new game plus mode that sort of it was considerate of like people replaying the game, like you know, different bosses would be in different places, different enemies would be in different had different placements. Certain enemies wouldn't drop things that you need anymore; you would have to find it somewhere else. Uh, and so that game, I probably have about sixty hours in, you know, or as in the Dark Souls community would call it, a sampling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a sampling of that Anything one.
1: under four figures ain't shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anything under four figures, you need to you need to dump your girlfriend, quit your job and really sort of, you know, get stuck in. No, you need know, you, really, you really need to sort of apply yourself cuz you're like you're not even trying at that point. I will say my, you know, my biggest regret is that I have not beat Dark Souls 3 yet. Um I actually erased my save game and I'm going to start from the beginning. Oh, okay. And maybe I'll live stream, maybe I'll Twitch stream. Oh, cool. Uh because I just like I you know, I put it down for a little bit. I put it down for maybe like 10 days and like, I lost all of my skills yeah. and I found myself like trying to defeat uh some boss. And I was like, Oh, well there's like better start from scratch.
0: Yeah. I actually did the same thing. I rented it first cause I was broke and I got through a significant chunk, but then by the time I could afford to buy it, like I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing and I was getting my ass kicked. And I'm like, all right, I guess I, I started over and then I went back to my original uh uh, save once I uh, figure out what the hell was going on. Like it's one that like you 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 can get out of practice in uh, this game more so than most other games. Like it's it can be. S- so daunting because the world is like open map but like you don't have any map you don't have any guideposts if you don't know where you're going to next it can be you can forget you kind of have to have a memory of the world while you're playing it otherwise you can miss stuff you can forget stuff and you can just get stuck in the loop where you just keep getting your ass yes. uh, kicked and so speaking of like what's the primary function of that loop is the concept of souls right so in almost every rpg like the point of the game is you play more you get experience points you get better you level up you get stronger you get faster you get better and it just keeps ramping up if you die well it's okay because you still got your experience points so that you can come back next time stronger better faster dark soul says no In fact, it says, fuck no. If you, you can kill all these monsters, you can get all these experience points, but unless you make it back to your sanctuary, your safe zone and level up, you will lose all that experience and have to start over. And you can get- And
1: I have, I keep losing my
0: soul.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's the worst feeling. So how
0: does that feel like JDB? Like you've played all these games with this very linear progression and now you have this game just saying, you know what? Fuck that and fuck you.
1: Well, it, it's humbling. it, it rem- first of all, it reminds me again, like when I was playing you know NES and Super Nintendo and PlayStation One games and just constantly getting game overs uh, or just going to an arcade and just getting my ass whooped until I figured out the mechanics, even though it ended up costing me 25 30 bucks by the end of the day. Uh, it is it is a weird mixture of extremely aggravating, inspiring, And also nostalgia producing. There is a very – there's something very strange about the idea that, like, games were harder when I was a kid than they are when I'm an adult. And, like, there's a weird childlike wonder that comes with getting (laughs) completely brutalized. Yeah. Yeah, And it's hard to really put into words unless you grew up. Uh, in a time where games were designed to get as many quarters out of you as possible or to just simply just toy with you if you weren't good enough.
0: Yeah, like I, like that's one thing about Dark, uh, Dark Souls and a lot a lot of games I like now is that because I, I do go back and um, play games with emulation, right? So I'll like go back and play Metroid or Castlevania or whatever, and I have no idea how I even beat those games in the past because like now I'll I'll use like save states to get through like Castle Castlevania or whatever. Oh yeah. And like Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely and it's like I'll
1: cheat on my ROMs. Like I
2: can't twelve twelve year old me with a mating video games.
1: And shows have gotten softer too.
2: Yeah, it shows. It shows we gotten
0: uh, softer and weaker and not as good. I, I maybe the you know, all right is right about certain things. You know, <laughs> maybe we've all gotten soft. We've been drinking too much soy. We've lost all our video game skills. So even Dark Souls, like, because Dark Souls is it's punishing. It's only like punishing compared to other games that are out like now. Now, wh- where yeah. It, so it's it's really only really punishing the games that are out now. But like compared to like a NES game or like a what. Is the ghouls and goblins or like like there's no actual game you die but there's no game over you don't lose all your progress if you die a number of times you don't have to start all the way over in dark souls you always make at least physical progression even if your character uh doesn't make progression
2: yeah, and it's, it's a game of consequences. Like, I think that's really the thing about it. Like, a lot of games that we play now don't have any consequences. They don't have any consequences to losing. They don't have any consequences to, you know, uh, not play, Not you know, not paying attention. They don't have any consequences to, like, sort of half-assing it. This game sort of demands that you, you know, pay attention, you can you be considerate. And even like, then, you know, still, if you die, like you said, the consequences are not really that steep because the game is so well designed like the geography of the game is so well designed that if you die on a boss like you know there's never like if you die on a, bo- a boss and you find all the shortcuts i think yeah. they've said that there's never longer than like a 60 second run back to that boss you know like, like there you'll never find yourself running from like the last you know save state the bonfire or like the the lantern more than 60 seconds nah, like, that's the like that's the furthest i it think is.
0: that's full of shit is there there's certain ones that definitely take more than 60 uh seconds there there's a couple of runs like they always have like one run in the game where it's like you have to fight like two like you know maybe not like you know sigma level enemies but at least like alpha level enemies before you can get back uh to the boss because
2: you're better off sorry no go ahead and you're better off fighting them though because like then you can like sort of get a warm-up yeah you (laughs) (laughs) You can get you you know a warm-up from that thing i did want to you know ask you guys something because this is something that i heard and it's something that i've thought about a lot even i said you know it obviously applies to Bloodborne, but the idea of Dark Souls as a horror game, like the it's of scary.
1: Dark- I didn't even. Uh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even. We haven't talked about any of that. I. Uh, it's scary, and they're like genuinely organic jump scares because the, the 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 frights that that we each get are completely tailored to our own experience of over losing our. And, by the way, there's there's like a weird capitalist element about hoarding stuff and hoarding wealth and hoarding power, to be said. Uh, the constant fear that everything you have been working for over the last hour or two could just be completely wiped out with one you know creature going, boo, and popping out at you at the wrong moment. It's legitimately a terrifying experience. Yeah, it
0: can be very—there's there, lots of horror elements in all the games. I think maybe Dark Souls 2 probably has the least of this. Um, but definitely, Demon Souls straight up uh, is is horror is horror fantasy. Like it's it's demons. It's you, you're fighting demons. You're uh, becoming a demon. Uh, Dark Souls uh, One has a lot of horror elements, a lot of scary sections. Uh, there's one section where it's like almost completely pitch black, and you have these like huge like like almost like jungle cat skeletons coming at you and trying to kill you is fucking horrifying uh dark souls 3 it it gets back to like a little bit darker more horrific elements like you have those cronenberg monsters that jdb mentioned that like just pop up out of nowhere and try to uh, take they, you yeah up.
1: they remind me of almost like the ganados and uh in resident evil 4 or something like that
0: so speak so i kind of want to talk about like the larger theme of the dark Souls series because i guess i i think the best way to say it is like it's decay. like you're going through all these you know fantastical kingdoms with these this great architecture you usually like they put a lot of thought into how they build all these worlds up like all these massive fantasy Kingdoms with all this lore and all these kings and queens and all these people and citizens too that you run into, but most of them have succumbed to basically like the zombie undead virus that um, kill that kills people and just turns them into walking monsters. There's everything's crumbling, everything's decaying, everything has fallen apart. All these games, in a certain way, are like apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic, and you're you're engaging with this world for the first time after it's already you know fallen entirely apart usually and i just want want to know what do you think the larger theme of this is i think blood bloodborne is kind of an outlier in in this but uh, because it's very just much a Lovecraftian tale of um, Eldritch knowledge uh, and people destroying the world uh, by pursuing forbidden knowledge, but all these, but in Dark All the Souls games, like the world has already fallen.
1: No, one of the things that I think is really interesting about the bleakness of the game is that you're not really saving the world; you're returning it to a pre-fucked state. At you, best. It, it, they're, they're at best. There really isn't much left to save. Everyone's dead. You're dead. The heroes are dead. Uh, there are only demons. And you just have to... I mean, this it, it it's very
0: Japanese. No, actually, it, the funny thing is, like... Well, this is kind of a spoiler for Dark Souls 3, but um, all the demons... By the time you get to Dark Souls 3, all the demons are dead, too. Like, all the... <laughs> mm. Like, everything has just, you know dispersed and died uh at-
1: right the 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 world itself is a a hollow shell of whatever it used to be and you are not going to be the one who magically makes it all better with your you know because you were born with the right you know magic blood or whatever There's there's no there is no uh campbell hero's journey it is very straightforward you are here. There's a whole lot of these evil fucking creatures you've got to kill, and uh, you better not lose any of those souls.
2: Yeah, I or mean, else
1: you'll have to kill them again.
2: <laughs> yeah, again, again. You know, you're gonna kill them again and again, no matter what happens. And I mean, the jump Groundhog up, Day. This grass. It's like exactly. It's a like, like Groundhog Day, but with like gothic murder castles. And <laughs> so, you know, I guess the theme wise, the dominant themes are like entropy, decay um, the inevitable, you know, the inevitable, um, you know, the inevitable end of everything, it's a very bleak game, uh, in terms of themes, right, and, you know, there is this aspect of beauty that you see, you know, the world, the Dark Souls world is beautiful, right? And it's like, you know, like there are, especially Dark Souls 3, like there are thousands of cathedrals, big, you know, big castles, large throne rooms, beautiful armor, and that beauty is just meant to belie the fact that everything is just in complete decay. Yeah. Mm,
1: don't forget the sound either, the, the ambient noise, the lack of music.
2: Okay. Yeah, everything, everything is gone from a Dark Souls world. Like, they're like it. you know, the lack of sound is obviously both, you know, and that's what is respectable to the, the game itself. Like, a lot of these design decisions both have, you know, obvious design decisions. Like, the lack of sound is both so you can hear things sneaking up on you. And also, like, it's, you know, it's, it sets an atmosphere that, like, lets you know it's, like, it's devoid of a lot of things that, like, you know, emotion, a lot of, probably, you know, even emotion is gone from this world uh, as represented from by sound, and the beauty, you know, like, there is, and at the rise of, you know, I don't want to be, like, all, like, jerk-off, like, academic about it, but, like, as the rise of conservative, you know, thought and ideology came about at the as the result of the, you know, the French Revolution, you know, counter-revolutionary ideology, this idea of, like, monarchies and, like, kingdoms and all stuff, as beautiful and decadent and therefore, like, in rapid decay, is, you know, it's, it's a theme that's been with that, you know, philosophy about, you know, monarchies for a while, I think Dark Souls really inc- it incorporates that, I think what Edmund Burke thought about that, like Edmund Burke and like Maestra wrote about that a lot when talking about Marie Antoinette, but really, so like entropy is like entropy and decay really speak to me when I look think about Dark Souls and also just, the, you know, that idea of the the cycle of death and rebirth is you know, it it, it really, especially towards the end of the series where like that cycle is it's revealed to be a fallacy, right? You know, like at the end of the series, like you know, the world has been reborn thousands and thousands of times, and now there's not there's nothing to be reborn. Yeah, and so you know, the last choice in every game is one that I think anyone who anyone who focuses on American politics should feel should feel, you know relatively acquainted with which is like okay do we keep marching forward through to to the you know slowly towards the abyss or do we you know sort of extinguish that light accelerationalist nonsense where it's like do we extinguish the light and just try with something better like maybe like whatever comes you know the age of darkness is just it leads to something better than what we were doing before which was like a sort of slow decline into madness
0: yeah so there's this thing where like uh so the the reason it's called dark souls is because humans are the dark soul. They're creatures born of darkness, which is very much of an inversion of what you would usually get in this type of fantasy thing. And so by the, at the end of every game, you're kind of, you have to decide whether you're going to extinguish the fire or try to keep it burning. Um, If you try to keep it burning, you become the new monarch, which is, and if we we had said earlier, but most of the bosses you fight in this game are like the people who, who, a lot of the bosses you fight in the game are the people who did what you are trying to do before, right? They tried to keep the fire going and now they've, giving in to entropy they've decayed Uh, there's this one really great scene in dark souls too um where you spend all this time trying to find the king um because he supposedly has the cure to um the uh hollow infection that you have and so you try you go and you find the king and he's just this lumbering Brain dead zombie walking around with this massive sword and the woman who's been uh, helping you or maybe not helping you You're not really sure. She says, you know if you succeed if you um, You know start to fire again one day you will be in that king's place wandering these halls not knowing why and so there's just. Like nihilistic edge to um, your what what heroes during you have like eventually it's gonna end up back in the same place no matter what you do. Hello,
1: oh hey, huh? sorry, I thought I lost you for a second. Um, you know, it's really interesting that there is that the, you have this cyclical story that kind of ends on a bleak nihilistic note but continues to repeat i guess that's sort of the uh the nature of franchises
0: <laughs> but yeah, there uh, is kind of, well it is kind of a meta commentary there's a meta commentary on there. franchises because especially when you get to dark Souls, because you've gotten far enough in dark souls 3 like you're bringing all the uh uh I forget what they call them, but the kings back to their thrones, and so like right. those are the characters from like Dark Souls One and Two, basically, more more mm-hmm. more or less. Like they're the people who already, you know,
1: did they've already been in power, and uh, thanks to them, there are fucking demons everywhere. Why would I want to bring them back well, to power? Well
0: they, well, they prevented the demons from taking over for a while. They mm-hmm. kept, they kept the mm-hmm. fire going for a little bit, but now it's uh, it's uh, you have to drag them back to their thrones to.
1: I mean, there is no there is no left way out of this world there is no combining the souls and spirits of all of the warriors there's no solidarity we're tired no, of this shit maybe
0: that's the problem with dark souls there's no solidarity you run around murdering all these you know these snake men and these were creatures when you should be
2: you know teaching them about you know socialism so basically dark souls is like a commentary on twitter yes <laughs> it's, it's, it's a commentary on twitter leftism it's well, like well it's, it's
1: about it's hoarding wealth because you got all those souls and spirits you've got a you gotta never let go
0: of. But you, you but the thing is you die. always have to spend them in order to, you know, survive. So like it's like as soon as you come in, as soon as you get those souls, you gotta go spend them if you wanna uh survive the next level. So it's about uh, paying rent. It's about precarity.
1: Mm-hmm. To the uh to the shrine lords. <laughs> the thing is if the thing is is um what uh do you do you see this style of uh Gameplay going into... I mean, we we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we talked a little bit about how the Soul series has begun to influence other games. But do you see this as a sign that uh, consumers and and gamers are still sort of divided into this casual-slash-hardcore sl- segmenting that, that, that the industry has sort of been under for the last, you know, I guess 15, 20 years? I- or do you see this as a sign that those worlds are continuing to bridge
0: i I think that dark souls was kind of a sign the success of dark souls kind of showed that that distinction might be a little bullshit because Mm -hmm. once because even though this game this game is not for casuals it has become very popular and the idea that you know the big companies have is you have to have a certain level of casual element to your game or people won't play it but like people are playing dark souls they're they're willing to you know take the challenge and then when you look at some of the more popular indie games something like um dead cells like that's like dark souls or crack that's like all the rogue rogue roguelike games they're like dark souls with you don't even make any progress whatsoever you're starting over from the beginning every goddamn time you've played and a lot of those games have been successful uh, maybe not as successful as dark souls but certainly more successful than you would expect certain indie games to be so i think like as far as like hardcore casual ghost those distinctions don't really make sense for games like dark souls like you know <laughs> i don't think there's a huge gap between the people who are playing zelda and the people who are playing dark souls i think it's just a marketing gap if anything if we we're talking about you know like you know like a mobile phone game then sure like you know uh, uh that would be a different but even then you had um, f- uh flappy bird which was super super hard and people went crazy for it so
2: well, I mean, I don't know. I think that, you know, the game industry maybe more than, well, I guess the movie industry too, because kind of just unilaterally decided at some point that people didn't like certain things and that they would stop making them or supporting them, right? Like, we saw the same thing with the sort of the horror genre, you know, where it, you know, it used to be popular, then it had, it died off and then, you know, Amnesia, the Dark Descent, made like a trillion dollars or whatever, and they were like, oh yeah, like, they, they realized <laughs> that we ne- we never even asked people who weren't like 14-year-old boys who were like, you know, tripping out on Mountain Dew and Adderall, what kind of games they liked. We just saw that Call of Duty made, a, you know, all the money in the world, <laughs> and decide that if a game couldn't make all the money, we shouldn't publish it at all. And so I think Dark Souls is the sort of leading, the leading example of, well, a game doesn't need to sell 10 million copies and be in like in cost what like you know as much as a blockbuster movie in order to be successful it just needs a vibrant community you know it needs to have competent people heading it it needs to have sort of the money being managed in a way that makes sense you know i don't think dark souls spends as much money on marketing as something like gta does i don't think dark souls spends as much marketing money on marketing as something like call of duty or whatever does like you know i recall when i never saw any commercials for dark souls one i obviously i was before my time really, you know, when it was first came out, I never saw any commercials for Dark Souls 2 really. I saw a lot for Bloodborne. But I saw one with the, you know, with the sort of the sound and the the song True Colors by somebody. But like, you know, they manage their money well. And so when they sell like, you know, a million copies or two million copies, they view it as a success. Where if you see someone like a you know uh a publisher like Sony when you know when they talk about oh well the new Tomb Raider only sold 3 million copies I guess it's a you know yeah it's Square a wash. Enix yeah 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 I remember yeah. that story yeah Square Enix I'm sorry Square Enix like you know it's a wash I you know I guess this game isn't successful it's like well how did you manage to spend 120 million dollars making you know Tomb Raider a Tomb Raider re- a reboot like how did like what did that money go for I think the you know the big the sort of the triple A industry is incredibly incredibly bloated and so like like the movie industry. Yeah, of course. And because and I think that the Hollywoodization of, you know, gaming has really it's like is probably the cause of that where they, you know, there are bigger and bigger games, they're you know, with bigger and bigger budgets that don't really make any sense, with bigger and bigger marketing campaigns that don't really, you know. Dark Souls at the meta level too makes the most of its medium. Like, like it really, it really just does that. It relies on the community that likes Dark Souls to, you know, get the word out. You know, drum up, you know, drum up excitement, and it doesn't need to like put out, you know, put a whole bunch of advertisements on buses. Like, it just goes, okay, yeah, you know, Dark Souls Four is dropping in two thousand seventeen. seventeen. We'll you know, we'll tell, like, we'll we'll hand out a few copies to some like YouTube let's players, and then you know, by the end of the week, everyone will know.
0: Yeah. And, and I think like,
2: that also is Oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
0: I was just going to say like these games have longevity. Like I played Demon Souls months after it came out and got into it. Um you uh you played uh you uh, like most I think a lot of people get into these games word of mouth after they've been popular for months or y- after they've been out for months or years. with a lot of triple A games it's like if it, if people aren't get don't get into them in the first couple of weeks it's a flop and that's it and it's done. But these games have such a longevity built into them that Dark Souls becomes that one game that the guy will play for months and years on end, and the community is always there. Like there, the servers for Demon Souls are going to still be up by the time this episode come out. Comes out there, excuse me, Dark Souls uh, by the time.
1: Yeah, Demons is done.
0: Is Demons done? Actually, you know what? I think think I I just looked it up. I think maybe February twenty eighth is Demon Souls server. Let me. Oh wow.
2: I feel like even if they're done, like, there are going to be people out there who, like, spoof their own server. Yeah, exactly. They, 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 of, of course they are. So, like, that's, like, that's just offsetting your cost. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, if if you can, yeah, if so you can De- find Demon's Demon Souls is
0: still is up until February 28th, 2018. That is how long that game servers have been up. That is, that's mind-boggling to me. But that shows, like, the type of game they built. And they didn't spend, and I bet they didn't spend nearly as much money on it as they did, you know, whatever AAA tile came out that week that week that we've already forgotten about, you know?
2: Yeah, of course. And also, like, I mean, Dark Souls success is also related to the fact that it's okay with not being popular. Like, Dark Souls is just okay. You know, you can't make a game like Dark Souls if you expect to sell, you know, 20 million copies of the game. You simply can't. Yeah. You you have to be okay with selling like maybe five hundred thousand you know copies. And I think when you do that, you know, it really changes how you produce the game. It changes how you like you spend your money. It changes like the way you tell your story. And you know, and then when you end up selling like five you know five million copies, like wow, you know, people were really clamoring for that.
0: Yeah. So all right, I think we've covered almost everything about Dark. So I guess we'll have to talk about Bloodborne another time. I think Bloodborne might be worth it. His- own episode because a lot of people think that that might be the greatest video game of all time, and I think that's a fairly um, good argument for it. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff going on with Bloodborne that doesn't, that's not necessarily. Relevant to the Dark Souls series
2: as a whole, so we'll have to talk about that. Looks like next. I gotta pick that up next. I, w- I would say just to end it, I think that Bloodborne is probably the best Souls game there yes. is. Like in terms of story, it, it, story atmosphere, it's an amazing, amazing. As someone who likes like, faster
1: like, paced, right? Yeah,
2: it, it's way faster paced, but like it's still that. But it, it manages to be faster paced, completely remove all forms of blocking, but still have the exact same feeling. You know, this, this, that's still that, that's same need for consideration that same need for patience despite being like way faster encounters it's amazing. And I mean, as someone who likes Lovecraftian fiction, as well as like gothic horror, like the, the seamless merging of Lovecraftian and gothic horror into like one game, yeah. like, you know, but for that one sort of anthology series called The Shadows Over Baker Street, which is a mix up. which Oh, is a yeah, mashup yeah. Of, I yeah. I have that. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. The, a mashup of, um you know, Sherlock Holmes and Lovecraftian horror. It's just like I you don't see that every day.
0: Yeah, so uh, Bloodborne, Bloodborne episode coming soon with our new uh, permanent, definitely one hundred percent permanent co-host Brandon. Now, Brandon, I do you want to? Uh, you do have your own podcast, The Discourse, correct? And how how can people find that?
2: Yes, my podcast is called The Discourse. I cannot believe that name was not taken. Um, you can find The Discourse. We're on a bit of a hiatus now, but probably by the time that you know this show episode of this show comes out, you know I'll have some stuff coming out as well so you can find the discourse podcast on itunes under you know the discourse with bj sudden or you can find it on soundcloud at you know www.soundcloud.com backslash expanded discourse you know you can support us on patreon where you'll get access to you know bonus episodes extended episodes of you know our main show you know and you can find me personally on Twitter where you can harass me and grief me, much like all the Dark Souls ghosts do in my nightmares, uh, at pretty bad lefty uh, at you know on Twitter.com. Oh, great, great. I, just one more question
0: before we go. So uh, I remember we talked on the horror episode about uh, horror movies, and I just wanted to say a really a horror film that's coming out that I'm super duper excited about it.
2: If you say the strangers, I'm gonna be so upset. Uh, th-
0: oh yeah like this the strangers 2 is coming out like that's one of my favorite horror movies and i just want to know if you were as excited
2: about it as i am were you upset because you were going to say it too or i was i don't like the movie the strangers that much i think it's kind of like boring (laughs) <laughs> and kind of like, I mean, I'm actually, I was surprised when I saw the little like, I, I tweeted you a photo when I went to go see Star Wars: The Last Jedi because it, you know, it was it, that wasn't bad enough, right? <laughs> of like the string of the the strangers to, I think. pray at night or whatever like the subtitle is called because they had like a whole little uh, you know display for where you could stick your head in and be like strangered or whatever. And so I'm going to see it, right? I see all horror movies. Um I'm probably going to end up seeing it before I see Black Panther. <laughs> 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 um but so yeah, I mean I, I, okay, I I'm I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad one of us is excited. Ooh, uh,
1: and speaking of horror, we uh do have an upcoming episode with horror filmmakers uh Joe Deitch and Louis Gibson to talk about their movie Happy Hunting, which is really fun. It's sort of like a uh it's like a purge in the South, very much a, in the most dangerous game style of filmmaking. But uh, it's enjoyable. It's really great, and it's on Netflix now, and we'll have them on to talk about the film.
0: Yeah, so uh, watch Happy Hunting. Um, pre-order your tickets to the Strangers. I think we can beat Black Panther. You know, just keep those pre-orders coming. They, Black Panther only has $150 million in pre-orders. We can do that. All all the Strangers... Really? <laughs> yeah, it does, like 150- only? Well, million.
1: the fr- The front end is going to be so massive, so... The new thing with Disney now, with these event movies, is that they don't... It used to be that the goal was to have as small of a drop as possible from the first week to the second week. That, like, you know, if you try to get something like less than 50% drop, now the drops are closer to, like, 60% and 70% because these movies are just so front-loaded. Like, the idea that you have to see this movie the weekend it comes out is, is... Permanently etched into the to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe fanatic's brain, and really any sort of uh, franchise. Disney observes. too, yeah. But Disney specifically is is guilty of this with Marvel and Star Wars, where these movies are just so front loaded that the drops are just getting bigger and bigger. So these while these first week box offices are always going to be record shattering, which you know because of the nature of inflation doesn't actually mean that much. Over time, you're going to see... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this year, uh, one of these movies, maybe it'll be solo, will have like an 80% drop. It's going to be wild.
2: I mean, look, I think we can all agree on this very simple, very reasonable fact that if you don't see Black Panther on the first day it comes out at midnight, you're probably a racist up there with David Duke. Yep. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And Richard Spencer, if David Duke and Richard Spencer fuse together with the fusion dance, that like that's who you are if you don't see... <laughs> Black Panther on opening night at 12 p.m. Because, you know, frankly, I I don't want to say it's the best black movie to ever come out. But I do want to say it's the first black movie to ever come out. There's never been a movie that has been blacker. Um, than Black Panther. Black Panther is so dark; it really, you know, it, it's less of a black movie than like an absence of light movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you know, if you were to shine a light in the theater when Black Panther comes, you know, it, while Black Panther is playing, literally, like the light would just be subsumed. Like, there <laughs> would be no, there would be no way to like escape the blackness of Black Panther. Nice. I don't know how it's gonna work with the projection. I mean, I, that's not. like, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> um, I'm sure Miss Frizzle could explain it. You know, whatever. I personally am going to go on a date to remember,
1: see. Remember, that- remember, they made a big point uh, in the marketing to let audiences know that the lighting was designed for black actors in a way that uh, white actors aren't normally shot or something
0: all right like that. that does so not seem l-
2: true at all like moonlight that's true i that didn't see moonlight and that and that was that insecure shot like that too Where they actually like sort of shoot for the like the skin tone of black people which is interesting i don't believe that for black panther. no it doesn't look <laughs> like <that> at all <laughs> it looks like it looks like a normal marvel movie it's like a shot like a,
1: the three movies that get it right black panther moonlight and something's gotta give
2: obviously i mean i've heard like listen black panther is Probably, that joke was just for me. I know. I mean, it's it's for you. like. Listen, I love making jokes for like only forty people will get in. They go like, they go yes. Oh, that was just for me. I I feel it. No, Black Panther is the blackest. You know, the blackest thing since Richard Roundtree and Shaft in Africa. I guess so. Like, mm. It's basically a remake of that. Honestly, <laughs> me personally, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to have a date to see Padmatfat, uh the new Bollywood film <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, uh, where like the, the star was you know threatened to be killed by the you know, Hindu nationalists. Oh yeah, but, I uh, remember that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's gonna be what I do. But I, I mean, Shaft every, in
1: Africa is great, by the way.
2: Shaft in Africa is amazing. I mean, honestly, they should. They should just a great prank would be to like show people, like show like a one a screening of Black Panther Shaft in Africa and see who would complain first, like who would like, who would be willing to like who would be willing to step up, like this is not Black Panther, you know, like and shame themselves like. But
1: well, Shaft is getting remade. Except what they're doing is they're having it uh, so that. Richard Roundtree and Samuel Jackson will be in it, but the new Shaft will be, like, he'll be a blurred. He'll be like a, he's like a techie at the FBI who teams up with his badass uncle and grandpa, but he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to shoot or be a badass because, you know, he's into STEM. And so I think it's going to be a a, a wacky, a wacky culture clash comedy
2: action movie. That's literally a a childish Gambino joke from his from his stand up <laughs> where he's like 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 let's make Shaft let's make uh the new Shaft Michael Sarah yeah like, that was that's,
1: that's literally that's what it is that they, they're doing that
2: they should I agree w- I agree with childish Gambino despite whatever was going on in that last album he put out they they really should have like Michael Sarah be Shaft I would see it ten times <laughs> I would I would I would personally make sure that it had a bigger opening weekend than. Uh, Black Panther, if they made Michael Sarah the new shaft. 100%. Uh, With with that shitty mustache he has.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right, everyone. We told you what movie to see to not be racist. Uh, We talked to you about Dark Souls. um, And we just want to say thank you so much and praise the sun.
2: Uh, Praise praise the the sun. sun.